Hey, Gom, are we actually going to learn something about Formula One in this episode? Because I feel like in the first episode, we just kind of talk smack for 20 minutes. I know, right? Did anyone learn anything in the first episode? It was just <laughs> you rambling on about your love of cars, your love of <laughs> racing. But I think we should teach them something this episode, right? Live up to our name, Formula 101. You know what? Enough of this flagrant false advertising. <laughs> Let's learn them some Formula 101. One problem, I don't know what to teach them. Do you have any ideas? Because you know everything, hey? You don't know what the <laughs> basics are anymore. Um, so I do have a confession to make. I Here we go gone through all our WhatsApp chats back from March 2021 yep. uh, onwards. It was a lot of messages and a lot of essays from you. I get excited sometimes. <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> um, you know, I just see you typing for like 10 minutes, so I go have a coffee, come back. And, <laughs> um, but I've gone back to these WhatsApp messages and mm. tried to find what my first questions were when I first started watching the races and even watching Drive to Survive mm -hmm. so that we can cover off the basics for newbies to F1. You had me at basic. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, if we're starting off with the basics, and I actually remember we had you had some really interesting questions in those WhatsApp messages, particularly early in the earlier days. Um, so I'm looking forward to discussing those topics. Um, what are we actually going to start off with? Yeah, to be honest, I had some really good questions, some really complex <laughs> questions that impressed you when I asked you. Jeez, you got um, tickets on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I do, I do. So maybe some of those questions might be covered off in later episodes, I'm thinking, because mm -hmm. we probably need a whole episode to explain some of those concepts. Yep. But today, maybe we can just start with, you know, the championship, what does a race weekend look like, how are the points awarded, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, fair enough. Did did the championship make sense to you when you first, like, for me, I've been around racing championships my whole life or exposed to them. You've been so. around for a while. <laughs> hey, you said this was kid-friendly. <laughs> so, and so the whole, like, the whole point scoring system and everything, very, like, natural and I guess obvious for me. Did it make sense for you when you first started watching? Because I can't really think of too many other sports leagues that, that I guess, have that kind of a format. Uh, I think, I mean... Yeah, I got the basics of there's a championship, there's points awarded each race. But what I didn't get was there was like two different championships going on at the same time. Ah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yep. That really didn't make much sense to me. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's interesting. So, I guess what we're saying is, for those who don't know, we've got the Formula One World Drivers' Championship and then we've also got the Formula One World Constructors' Championship and they're sort of occurring concurrently at once. So the championships, or I'll call them the championship for now, but they happen every year. They start in around about March. They go through to, say, late November, early December or so. And they're made up of um, around about 20 or so rounds. I think last year we had 22 rounds. And this year in 2022, we, I think we're scheduled to have 23 rounds, which is the most that I, that I ever remember. And in these rounds... The more races, the better. Yeah, well, actually, I feel sorry for the for the teams, but we can talk about that later. I think it's great for us 
Yes, go for the first. There's more Formula One weekends. More weekends for you to decline wedding invitations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have I have very few slots for weddings or birthdays or really anything. So we have 10 teams that compete in the championship and they have two drivers each. Um, and the way it works is that in each of those rounds, we have a race or a Grand Prix. And as you were saying, how you finish in the race determines how many points you get awarded. So the winner gets 25 points. Second place gets 18, third place gets 15, all the way down to 10th place, who gets one point. And then what we do is at the end of the year, for all the drivers, we we count up how many points they scored and we determine who is the world driver's champion or the grand champion of the universe, as I like to call them. (laughs) And then we also have the the constructors' championship. So as we said, the teams have two drivers in, in each race. I have a question on that. Why does each team have two drivers? Why can't they just have one car and one driver per team? What's what's the magic behind the two? <laughs> I don't know if there's magic, but the short answer to that is because it's the rules. That's just how it is. <laughs> it's like, yeah. why does a cricket team have 11 players or whatever? But um, let me, I'll give you, I'll fill you in on something that I'd say like most Formula One fans don't actually know. So I'm about to make you smarter than most Formula One fans in the world, and this would be some good pub trivia for you, even though you really don't need to know this, but there's a thing called the the Concord Agreement, which is, um, it's essentially like a a legal agreement uh, or a contract between um, Formula One group, which they're like the commercial owners of Formula One, the championship, uh, the FIA, who are the the governing body of, of motorsport all around the world. And they're the ones that sort of enforce the rules in Formula One and in the races. Yeah. Uh, and also the teams that compete in Formula One. So the Concord Agreement talks about all sorts of things. It's actually like a secret document. Um, so it's not like public. You can't just Google it. Wow. Yeah. Um, but I think in the past there's been like leaks of what's in it and stuff like that. Um, but it talks about all kinds of things like how a Formula One um, championship is going to be uh, organized, how it's meant to be run, um, you know, how the prize money system works and things like that. And kind of I do believe, like a cult. <laughs> whoa, 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 it's just a legal document. Uh, a uh, secret agreement that they'll sign with a bit of blood from their finger. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so every team that signs up that races in Formula One has to put a bit of blood from their finger on this piece of paper. Um, and I think one of the requirements in in this document is that each team will field two cars with a driver each in every race of the championship. Uh, and if they don't, then they, they might face some fines or penalties or things like that. But um, I guess what I was going to, what I was saying about the Constructors' Championship, if we give a bit of an example there, is I'm going to take I'm going to take McLaren as an example. We've got Daniel Ricciardo and we've got Landon oh, Norris, their drivers. Teams. Yeah, that's why I picked them for you. Um, and say we have a race where Daniel wins the race, um, and let's say Lando comes in in third position. So Daniel will score twenty five points towards his championship, and Lando will score fifteen points towards his championship towards the drivers' championship. Um, but then McLaren will actually score 40 points because they'll get 25 from Daniel's win and they'll get another 15 from Lando's. Um, And then again, similarly, at the end of the year, we'll count up all the constructors' points and we'll award the Formula One World Constructors' Champions. Okay, so how do teams then prioritise constructors 
and drivers' championships. That's a... that sounds a bit conflicting, right? Yeah, look, there, there are <laughs> like situations. you want to do well for the team, but then each driver wants to do well for himself. Yeah, that is so. that is one of the sort of the nuances of Formula One, right? Um, there are like often what's good for the driver is good for the team. You know, they're trying to get the best result possible, but there are situations where sometimes um, the team might have to sacrifice a driver's race or result or compromise a result um, for the for the good of the team. Um, and yeah, it's really interesting in terms of how they prioritize things. I don't know how they do. Each team will be different, but at the end of the day, it, it comes down to what the teams uh, want to prioritize. And what we do know is that the the Formula One World Drivers Championship that is the the title with with all of the prestige behind it. That's the one that everyone remembers. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's probably the highest accolade for a driver in in world motorsport. They're the ones that everyone remembers in history. Um, you know, I could I could name every Formula One World Drivers Champion in history, but I couldn't name every constructors oh, champion. That sounds like a good game to play later. <laughs> okay, makes sense. So the drivers one is more about the prestige. Yeah, because the thing so is the constructors the... one is is it more about the money or the funding? they get from winning that? Yeah, there's a, there's a few things, I guess. Like, first of all, it's a reward for the whole team, right? And I think for a lot of people, when you watch Formula One, you see the drivers, they're the ones that have their face on TV and on the posters and things like that. But really, every team has hundreds and usually these days thousands of people behind the scenes, you know, building the cars, designing yeah, yeah. them, running the strategies <laughs> at the race. Yeah, all these things, even like the, the physios and the chefs and all that kind of stuff. And I guess the Constructors Championship is a recognition of all of them. So you could you could argue that for the whole team, that's probably the thing that, that means more. And my understanding is that the, the prize money is effectively divvied out to all the teams based on how they perform in the Constructors Championship. So from a more rational perspective, the Constructors Championship is is the one that is more important because more prize money means you can invest more money into your car next year and make it even faster. discussed the whole championship and how there's you know 20 to 23 races each year um, or rounds as we call it do you think we should describe what a typical race weekend or round looks like I think we should because um, potentially you could tune into tv at the wrong time and have absolutely no idea what's going on that was me when I first started watching I was like you know I turned it on and I was like expecting like ready, set, go, um, you know, and the starting lights. And instead they were just sort of racing, not ra- not racing, just driving around slowly. And there's a lot of British commentary going on, a lot of random talk, random jokes. And I was like, what? This isn't racing. You just got lost in the British accents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think I was watching a practice session. Let's start from where it all begins. Um, Friday, right? Friday, actually Thursday. Thursday is when the race weekend starts with the press conferences. Oh, that's right. That's when it starts for you. I, I don't really pay too much attention to it, but you're a fiend for it. I love it. I love it. It's like it's like um, an interview with the uh, the you know the main stars of the of the movie <laughs> or the show. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you get to see what they feel like, see what how they feel about the track. Um, there's some cool like you know fan kid questions where where they ask some pretty interesting stuff 
so yeah, that's that's your typical Thursday. Mm-hmm. And then um, Friday is when they start with practice sessions. So they have 60-minute practice sessions now. Guess what? I've I've heard some murmurings. I don't know how true they are, but they might be increased back up to 90 minutes for this year because they used to be 90 minutes back when I watched them. Um, and you're the one that actually told me that they've reduced them to 60 minutes. Um, but it sounds like they're bumping them back up again, which is heavy news for you because you watch every lap of them. So it's going to be like three hours out of your Friday. Yeah, I'm happy that I have more content to watch. But same time, how am I going to keep up with watching so many hours of Formula One, especially now with the puppy? I, um, I'm i a puppy parent now. I've got, I've got responsibilities. Good luck. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so these practice sessions, they're um, non-competitive sessions, which means there's no points awarded towards the championships that we just discussed, but they're important sessions, right, for the teams. Yeah, so I guess the focus for the teams that um, usually is just to try and understand what's going on with the car at this particular track, how is it behaving, how are the tyres behaving, uh, what sort of adjustments do they need to make to the car, um, and the gathering data to try and inform the decisions that they make for the rest of the weekend because it's it's later in the weekend that things get a bit more serious. That's right. And um, I guess we have to remember that the drivers don't just get to drive these cars whenever they like. Um, it has to be a specific uh, Formula One session. So these practice sessions is actually really critical for them to get used to the car. That's it. Yeah, they... Um... They use simulators and things like that in their headquarters, but it's really not the same as actually being in a car. So very important and time lost in these practice sessions can be quite costly for them, uh, even though the results don't really actually matter. Yeah, I mean, I love seeing a uh, a car spin out in the practice sessions because it's quite funny. But same time, I'm thinking about the teams and how they have to put the car together again, uh, back together again for for them the actual important sessions and yeah, do feel sorry for them. Okay. So then we get to Saturday. So we've had two practice sessions, FB1 mm-hmm. and FB2. Yep. Now we get to Saturday and we have one more practice session, FB3, which is the final practice session before the all important qualifying session. Yes. And um, you know what? Qualifying, it's still, I still get confused with all the durations of each period of um, qualifying. So I'll let you explain it. The qualifying format that we have these days, it's um, it's not been the same always. Formula One has changed how they go about qualifying in the past, but I really like the, the format that they have now. Um, the whole point of qualifying is to decide the starting order for the, the race or the Grand Prix, which will take place on Sunday, the following day. Um, and the way that we decide that is according to lap times. So qualifying is not about actual racing. The cars aren't trying to overtake each other and beat each other to the finish line. It's all about going out there and trying to set the fastest lap time that each driver can set. So the format um, is that qualifying is actually split up into three sub-sessions, I guess you could call them. Qualifying one, qualifying two, and qualifying three, or Q1, Q2, Q3, as we tend to call them. Q1 um, starts off, I think it's about an 18-minute session these days, um, and all 20 competitors are allowed to go out onto the track during those 18 minutes, and they just have to go around and try and set the best lap time that they can set, um, set the fastest lap time. And at the end of the 18 minutes, we, we take each driver's fastest lap time, and we look at them in order, 
um, and we take the five slowest cars and they get eliminated from qualifying. That doesn't mean that they won't start the race. They will start the race. It just means they'll start the race in the bottom five positions. So they'll be 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th. Now that leaves us with another 15 cars that are still in qualifying and they'll advance on to Q2 or qualifying two. And it's the same thing over again where we reset all the times. We forget about everything that happened in Q1 and we let those 15 cars go out onto the track again, again, they set the fastest lap time they can set. And again, we look at each driver's fastest lap time, look at, look at them in order and eliminate the five slowest drivers. So in this case, the drivers that set the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th and 15th fastest times, they'll start Sunday's race in those positions, but they won't take any further part in qualifying. And then finally, we have a 12-minute session, Q3, qualifying three. This is when everything reaches a bit of a crescendo and Sometimes it can be quite climactic or often it can be quite climactic at the end of this session because the fastest driver in this session is the driver that will be awarded pole position. So that's the driver that's going to start the race in first place. Um, and it's, it's quite an achievement. It's something that's celebrated. It, it goes down in the record books. Um, and obviously it means that they've got the best chance of winning the race on Sunday. Um, the driver that posts the second fastest time will start on the front row as well in second position and obviously the driver that sets the slowest time in Q3 will start in 10th position and that's how we decide the starting order for the race. Okay so qualifying is probably the most confusing session of the weekend <laughs> so if none of that made sense to you uh, don't worry we'll um, you know we'll explain more through, throughout the further episodes. If you weren't good at calculating medians in school I feel like ordering cars by um time won't make sense either but <laughs> but yeah spoken like a true true actuary i don't even know what a median <laughs> is but I, anyway <laughs> so basically you're just trying to get the fastest lap um the slow cars get eliminated by from each round the durations all all wacky um each round but and then you just want to be the fastest in the end and you get this pole position thing so guess i just Wasted everyone's time with that drawn out explanation. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so we've just finished qualifying and we've determined the starting position of each car in the race. Um, we've, We've set the grid or the starting grid or whatever they call it. Uh, and we finally got to the racing part, the race day, which is the Sunday. That's it. Actually get to see some overtaking. That's right. And actual racing. So the race can be either a day race or a night race. And all 20 cars are in, in the race. And there's always a set number of laps for, for that particular race. Sometimes it's 50 laps. Sometimes it's 74. Um Whoever finishes that set number of laps uh, first uh, gets awarded the all-important 25 championship points. Now, why are there always a different number of laps each race? Uh, Good question. So the reason is that the objective is for a Formula One race or a Grand Prix to go for 305 kilometers. Obviously, some circuits are longer than others, some are shorter. So the longer a circuit is, the fewer number of laps the Grand Prix will be but generally at the end of it 
uh, they'll all be roughly 305 kilometers in length, with one exception, and that is the Monaco Grand Prix. Um, and the reason for that is Monaco is such a tight, twisty circuit that the average speed of the cars is is pretty low, by Formula One standards anyway. And it means that if we were to wait for the full 305 kilometers, um, we'd be waiting a little bit too long. So Monaco is a slightly shorter race distance, but all the other races go for 305 kilometers. So I have two more things I want to make sure we cover off in this episode. We described a typical race weekend, but there's another race type of race weekend. There's like a sprint weekend. Ah, uh, yes. So maybe should we explain what, what they are? Because they're a little bit different. They are. So, so Formula One introduced these sprint race weekends in 2021, and there were three of them throughout the year. Um, and look, to keep it nice and short... Uh, it essentially meant that qualifying was held on Friday rather than Saturday. And on the Saturday, there was actually a sprint race, so a shorter 100-kilometer distance race. So qualifying would determine the starting grid for the Saturday race. Uh, at the end of that race, the top three positions were awarded points, and then the finishing order for that sprint race would determine the starting order for the Sunday Grand Prix. So the the whole objective of that was really just to give a bit more excitement on the Saturday with the sprint race being sort of less strategic and more all out just racing and overtaking. So the trial was pretty positive I think. I think the feedback that Formula One would have gotten from the fans was quite good Um, but at the time of recording this we're still waiting to find out exactly what the sprint race weekends are going to look like in 2022 and onwards. I think at the end of last year, we were expecting that there would be six race um, sprint race weekends in 2022, uh, some sw- slight tweaks to the rules about how the starting orders and things are determined. But the latest news that we're getting is that the teams are struggling to come to an agreement on exactly some of the financial rules around sprint race weekends. So I guess we'll watch this space. And if it does turn out we get sprint race weekends in 2022, you and I can explain that a bit further in a later episode. Wow, teams not agreeing on the rules. That's not a surprise. So I guess if a race weekend was already confusing, the sprint weekend makes it even more confusing, but more exciting as well. Um, I'm sure you... It throws my routine out, I tell you. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm sure you lost more hair on those weekends because (laughs) of how stressed you were. Like there's this extra like mini race that just you know can ruin everyone's chances of an extra hundred kilometers for things to go wrong yes exactly yeah (laughs) so another thing that we should probably cover off is this thing called well the bonus point right the fastest lap bonus point yeah so um, again introduced fairly recently by formula one a few years ago uh, and it's a point that's awarded to the driver uh, that posts the fastest lap time during the race provided they finish in the top 10. So if you finish in 11th position and you have the fastest lap time, you don't get that bonus point. In fact, no one gets that bonus point. Um, And that point counts towards the driver in the driver's championship and also the team in the constructor's championship. Yeah, and that actually definitely adds some spice to it because sometimes people try to steal the fastest lap at the end, right? Like just by pitting with new tyres. Yeah, you have situations where... A team might have a driver with uh, enough of an advantage over the car behind that they can come into the pits, put on new tyres and go back out and still be in the same position in the race. But now they've got brand new tyres on the car and they can use those to post a super fast lap time and get that extra point. And as we found out at the end of 2021, every single point counted because 
I think after 21 rounds of 22, uh, we, we went to the final race in Abu Dhabi and the two drivers fighting for the world title were tied on exactly 369.5 points. So 0.5, yeah. Glad you remembered the point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy season. Mm. I mean, it was the first season I ever watched, but it was one of the most exciting ever. Um, yeah, you were so, treated. So many championship swings, like, you know, Lewis was leading and then Max and then Lewis and then Max. There were so many things that happened throughout the year when you look back on it. There were tyre blowouts and engine failures and sometimes it would rain at the worst possible time or the best possible time and every round we went to we, we really didn't know who would be the stronger driver or the stronger team yeah yeah um, and then it all came down to you know at the final race we had two drivers who had very different approaches to their racing uh, driving two cars with very and different approaches to life yep yep very different personalities <laughs> yes, you're right yep. they had cars that have very different strengths they were driving for teams with very different philosophies and even the, the team principles were butting heads um, and it all came down to that final race, which I think as as race fans, that's that's what we live for, right? That's a, that's a real vibe for us because it was super exciting. I know in the lead up to that last round, that was all I was thinking about for seven straight days. Yeah, yeah. And it came down to that final final lap of that final race yeah, look, I'm not ready to talk about that just yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, have you um, got over it yet? But it, w- it was such an exciting season. I mean, Max, he's, he's this young driver, um, you know, trying to win his first ever driver's championship or world title. Uh, and then you have Lewis trying to go for his eighth um, eighth world title, which would be record-breaking, would beat Schumacher's title, so Schumacher's record. So... Yeah, it was it was a treat. Um, has it ever been that close? Um, it has. I think it was the first time actually in something like forty-seven years that um, we went into the final race with the two drivers um, fighting for the championship, tied on points. But if we look back to say Lewis Hamilton's first ever championship win, which was in two thousand and eight, um, we didn't go into the last race that close. But as it turned out, the the championship was decided in the final corner of the final lap of that final race when Hamilton uh, overtook a car and he gained the position that he needed to gain a one-point advantage over his main title rival, who was Felipe Massa. Very dramatic finish to the championship. I was, I remember it was like three or four o'clock in the morning uh, where I was watching it and I was sitting there stunned. Like it was, it was like a Hollywood script except way less believable. Having said that, the the year before in Hamilton's rookie championship, um, things were just as close. He actually lost the championship by, again, by one single point um, and actually tied for second place with his teammate. And they went into uh, what we call a countback, which is, I guess, the tiebreaker in Formula One championships. So if two drivers have the exact number of points at the end of the championship, they then look at who has the most wins and in this case, Lewis Hamilton and his teammate Fernando Alonso had the same number of wins, so they were still tied. And then they went to look at who had the most number of second places. And I think that's how Lewis Hamilton was actually awarded second place in the championship because he had just a few more second places than Alonso. And Alonso himself got involved in a couple of tight championship battles. Uh, I remember in 2010, 
uh, we went into Abu Dhabi, the final race, and he was one of four drivers who had a chance of winning the championship. And I think he actually had the lead going into the final race, but somehow he ended up stuck behind a midfield car during the race. He just couldn't overtake it. And he ended up finishing seventh or something, and Sebastian Vettel won the race and won the championship as well. Yeah, good on Sebastian. Yeah, he was. Um, he he really showed some some grit there to to take the win um, out from under Alonso's feet. And how? So how do you remember all of this? Like, how do you remember <laughs> which year, which drivers? Like, what happened in the final corner? Like, oh my god! I don't. Is this? I don't have. Is much your whole brain life. just like storing F one data and memories? Yeah, everything else That's gets pushed out. Like, yeah, yeah. I literally, can't remember what happened yeah. yesterday. <laughs> yes. But I can tell you when. I can yeah. tell you how the championships went down. Um, yeah, and uh, well, Sebastian went on to win another three championships in a row. Ah, the Red that Bull was, era. Yeah, the, the dominant Red Bull era. And um, 2012, he, he, came in, he came in leading the championship, I think, but then he got spun around on the first lap and you know, damaged his car. Um, and it was raining that day. And, How dramatic. And, yeah, yeah. And somehow he managed to fight his way back to to sixth place, I think, and he got just enough points to win that championship as well. Sounds like a movie script. Some championships get decided earlier in the year, so they don't always go down to the wire, but when they do, it's just so good, so exciting, always memorable, always dramatic. All right, you're getting a bit too excited. <laughs> um, so, All right. But All right. I, have, I do have one more question, actually, which... Um, which doesn't really make sense to me, probably even now, even after watching it for watching F1 for, you know, the Full whole year. season. Yeah. Okay. okay. So they have this road defined, uh, like a normal, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, a road track, that we drive we on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah. And and you would think they would drive in, you know, just in the middle of the lane, like you would as a good driver on the road. You would drive <laughs> in the middle of the track. Um, and that's probably going to be the most allowed um, you know, route mm-hmm. and, you know, you know, you're not breaking track limits, probably going to be the shortest route as well. Mm-hmm. But these drivers don't drive like that. They, they're kind of on one side of the track in one corner and then they're trying to hit this thing called apex. I don't even know <laughs> what that is out of a corner. Yeah. Uh, and they're going into this other side and they're just swerving all around and, you know, they, it doesn't seem yeah. like the logical Right. So, You're not the first person to make this comment to me, uh, and everyone assumes that that's what they're trying oh, to do. So it's not a stupid question. No, okay. no. Yeah. Everyone assumes okay. that they're just trying to take the shortest route around the track, but what they're actually taking is the racing line. Now, if you thought I was getting excited before, just wait for episode three. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Was that your joke? <laughs> oh, <it's> so funny. <laughs>